Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're out here stacking pennies. We got some energy this week, guys. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Maybe it was a short race time. Two hours and 11 minutes has me amped up on this Monday afternoon for stacking pennies. I'm here with my good friend Ryan Flores, Pit Road Boats and Woes Analyst. We're still trying to finish up from yesterday. Yeah, he actually just got in. Uh, just come storming in the parking lot because they just finished up this morning at Watkins Glen. The two kept spinning out Well, and did not stop. He got a little loose coming down the ramp here in the <laughs> studio. Uh Almost took me out, but you know. <laughs> but he wiped out four lime scooters on the way. We got my good friend Chuck Bush over here on the on the old soundboard. Chicka chicka. I think I hit the wrong one. Yeah, you did. And then we got. Uh, <laughs> I hit the, the wrong one again, but it was actually the, the right correct one. one. And then, of course, we always have Ice Club Blue Mountain takes Jonathan Merriman via Zoom. Back from the beach. Nice, uh, nice to see you guys, or not see you guys. I wish you could see my suntan. It's real nice. I bet you it does look good. Got it at Walmart. Um, <laughs> Along with his his wolf shirt that he's he's wearing. <laughs> well, I miss I miss seeing you guys in person. Now we're ready to rock. We got we had some good racing, I think, to talk about here at Watkins Glen. Um, now, granted, the same guy, same song and dance, Kyle Larson, Victory Lane, but he had to earn a little bit. Got a little, got a little burnt. Uh, well, I guess the only person that got burnt was probably Chris Bell because he got turned. But he got turned. He got turned uh, by the front bumper, Kyle Larson. But I just want, yeah, I just want, was that though? I want to address the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is how many times the two car. What was wrong with that damn thing? That thing was evil yesterday. I don't, man. Why you gotta bring me into this? <laughs> Because it's your it was, fault. It was a rough day. There's only two guys changing tires on it, and you're it one of them. It started out real good. We led the first eight laps. Yeah. It looked very proud. I was, like, stretching, getting ready, drinking my lotions and potions, getting ready to get going. And I looked at the TV for one second, and it was that bumper cam from Joey, and then we just spun out. And I was like, oh, I better put my helmet on. And then it just trickled downhill, and then we knocked the nose off of it. I don't really know what happened because we did pit a lot. And I, every time it was like, it was like bad. Every time I looked up, we were pit stall one. So you could look up in the one and it was just like, we were having trouble. Um, definitely not the balance that Brad was looking for. Do you recall the downforce package we had when we went there last? I believe it was the big splitter, big spoiler. Now Bob Pockers will text me Wednesday when he listens to it and he'll confirm or deny what downforce package that was, but I believe it was the high downforce package this time was 750, no splitter, no spoiler, and those things were a handful to drive, especially in the braking zones. We saw Ryan Ryan Newman in the one about wipe me out, saw him in my peripheral vision, dodged it like a samurai chuck. Uh, Joey, on the other hand, was not able to dodge the two-car sliding back at him like a ninja. Uh, bad, wrong place, wrong time for both Team Penske cars. I run into uh, – I was walking into deal lot after the race, and Travis Geisler, the competition director for Team Penske, is walking out. I said, turn one was not fortuitous for Team Penske this weekend. I said, no, it was not. Chuck. In the words of Jerry Reed, when you're hot, you're hot. And when you're not, you're not. And wise words. That's <laughs> what I'm, I'm here for is the wise words. It got a lot of people. Well, no, and we saw the 12. I forgot about him wheel hopping into the bus stop too. So there might have been something in the old rear brake package of the old – cars that might not have been kosher. I mean, is there something to the fact that, and I, you could take this either way, that we haven't raced there since 2019, so you've, you've been away from it for a little bit, and is there anything that can change in that, that time with that would throw off? It's a great question. Every team, <laughs> every team at Team Penske is different from the last time we went there. Brad has never been there without Paul Wolf. He's had a lot of success there. Uh, Todd and, and Joey – you know, had one there together. Um, not saying that, you know, that is that that is just the only thing that's different. Yeah. But well, it, especially it, with no practice, you're going to see some of the mistakes made in the race that would have already been weeded out in practice, right? right? Because you had already had established your brake marker into one on old on old tires. Because your brake marker on stickers is let's just call it 15% deeper than it would be on, you know, 15 mm-hmm. lap tires. And you don't really know that fall off until you pound it into the bus stop like Ryan did 
you know, 50 feet deep and you get in there and you start chopping wheels. And you're like, oh boy. <laughs> Luckily, it didn't end his day and he slid off and he was able to grab a gear and get going. But, you know, you learn something new each and every lap. And you're also learning that first whole run up to the comp- competition caution, what the fall off is, learning the downforce package because, you know, you can make three or four laps at like 80% in practice just to get a feel for it. But when you fire off in the race and you're trying to keep spots and uh, it is hard to pass there. And the little downforce package, too, I think made it exciting for the fans because you did see cars more out of shape and more sideways than you generally do there at a road course, Merriman. Well, a mistake also determined the outcome of the race. If you go back and look at it, Chase Elliott locked up a left front tire, I believe. He had to come in and, and pit, and that that's what put him so far behind and kind of off sequence. But, hell, he almost went up there and won the thing. Well, it's no question that Chase Elliott's probably the fastest road course race that we have in, in – the Cup Series at the moment. Now, I didn't see – I heard about the flat spot tires. Did he do it in turn one? Do you, do you remember where it was? I do. Uh, I think it was turn one. Yeah. So, if it was turn one, it's probably the right front because that turn one, we saw a couple guys make mistakes, wheel hopping. You see a lot of right front lockups there. You guys were in the first pit box, so you can probably see one every single lap. But the the racetrack goes away from you. So, you're, you're, bra- you're breaking in the the – Track's fairly flat, but as soon as you start going down the hill, the car gets light, and you if you don't have all your braking done, you carry that right front brake, and it'll just stop that right front. So I did that a couple of times, and luckily it wasn't bad enough to put a flat spot in it. So I just I'm starting to I'm starting to like road courses. They're kind of fun. I like now purpose built road courses. Let me be specific. We are going to. Well, I got a little bit of bone to pick. You know, it might be the unpopular opinion. It hurts my heart a little bit not going to Indy for the rectangle. Um, it's not going to carry the same weight. People can say it is. It, it's not. If you win this GP race, it's not going to be the same as hoisting up a Brickyard 400 trophy, and you won't convince me otherwise. Granted, somebody's going to win, and somebody's going to love it, and somebody's going to cash the paycheck, but it ain't a damn Brickyard 400 win. Yeah. But it ain't, it's not the Indy 500 either. So, Well, we don't race Indy cars. They're still yeah, trying to I mean, finish up like in Nashville. That was always what everybody thought it was going to be, like this big thing. Like Daytona's our race, right? Indy's cool because it's Indy. But I thought the racing in Indy has been great the last two or three years. see the road course. I thought, I mean, that's kind of like. Uh, it has been the past couple of years, but. Yeah, I so, mean, it's, it's a one-groove racetrack, whether it be for the Indy cars or, I mean, you could take anything there. It's going to be one-groove because that's just the way it was made. But the history of the place and just the, uh, you know, I don't know, What's the word I'm looking for, Chuck? Like prestige. Prestige of the place. Thank you. Prestige worldwide. Worldwide. For pit strategy, for overall speed, qualifying is important. Um, you know, I don't love it. I don't love the road course, but we'll see how it goes. Would you consider the Brickyard 400 a crown jewel before the road course? Yeah. Is it a crown jewel now? No. That's the tough part. All right. Big debate here. What are the crown jewel? races great question how many we have to establish how many of them oh is it four sure that's that's the, like all right so if four. let's go back to the 80s right and the winston million right yeah you had to win three of the four right okay. yeah yeah uh merriman ice cold blue mountain takes you hit it with first uh so i'm gonna go ahead and say daytona 500 has to be on there uh bristol night race has to be on there southern 500 absolutely has to be on there and you know I'm going to probably say a Martinsville race uh, simply because it's the shortest, I think, most physical racetrack uh, that we go to. The mountains on your can are blue right now. So good. The mountains on your can are extremely blue. Why don't you just put Richmond in there? What are you going to say? Talladega? Talladega ain't a a crown. I wasn't going to say Talladega, but I was definitely going to say the Coca-Cola 600. Yeah. Uh. Well. Yeah. It's Coke 600's got to be in there too. So let's take Martinsville out and put the Coke 600 in there. I forgot about that one. Sorry, Marcus. I still think you should put a 10 over Bristol. Yep. Thank you for the worst take out of this, us four. Uh, yeah. Chuck, what do you got? Um. I mean Daytona 500 clearly. Yep. Coke Cola 600. Yep. Southern 500. Yep. And then here's where my like I'm like, <sighs> what's it could that? Be two or three. Different what's ones. that fourth one? Yeah. yeah. Like his Bristol night race is good. Like that. That that's up there. Um. I really Chuck really likes Michigan. <laughs> I do I do. I do. Michigan is a great track. There, like there there's not a track that I'm like, man, I, I don't like going here. Yeah. Um 
But if if I had to if I had to pick, like what is that race that that drivers are like I won this? Yeah, this means something. Yeah, and that's where I'm having a heart. Like I can I can. All see right, it. I'll go. Go. I'll go. Uh, just, uh, obviously, the the Coke six, or the, the Daytona 500 and the Southern 500 are like the, they're they're nailed in there. Um, I think the other two are somewhat flexible. I could argue that the Coke 600 is not a crown jewel race. Bristol night race, um, you know, just the energy at Bristol. Um, you know, when you walk into DEI and you see you know 12 of those things hanging up, uh, or 12 Bristol trophies at Dale one, it's it's some something special. Um, and then, you know, I could, uh, you can make a case for a couple different tracks. Um, you know, I don't think any of which are a road course, unfortunately. Um, and I also was going to ask Ryan, um, what constitutes a race being a crown jewel and what doesn't, I would consider the Indy four, the, the Brickyard 400, a crown jewel until it's not off the list. Um, history. I believe is the history is what makes it. So there's three races that you get a ring for if you win, right? We yep. so so you get a ring for Daytona 500. Yeah. You get a ring for the Coke 600, and you got a ring for the Brickyard 400. Yep. I don't know if that changes with the with the GP or not. I don't. I'm Probably not, not real sure. Right. So those are like that's three crown jewels that you know that you're going into and you're getting a ring for. I don't want to interrupt. You. Used to be let, one for Texas. Let me add. Let me add right quick, and then you continue. The last crown jeweler race would be the last race of the year to crown you a champion no matter where it's at. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, if you're going with four crown jewels, like Bristol night race, I understand that it's a it's a race that everybody wants to win, but, like, I've never gone to that. Like, it's a crown jewel. It's just like, hey, we, hey, we want to Bristol night race. Like, yeah. I, like, it's badass. We don't want to do that. I would almost go – to backtrack a little bit on the cold mountain take, I would almost go Martinsville over Bristol. So Martinsville is, is well, a, give me crap. And then you just validate. Well, you oh, went so. two short tracks. Like you went Bristol and Martinsville. Well, and that just, was the cold take. You just pick Martinsville. Like there's not like a, okay, which Mart, which Martinsville. Oh, God forbid we go to a short track. A play. I'd say the, the fall race because it's one, that's an elimination race. Now the night race is special. I think, I think like, I think that the race that gets more to be more desirable like, does the Bristol Dirt Race become one since it's so much different than everything else? No, not for Corey. Well, this is the first ever one. I <laughs> so, think I think the four crown jewels. If a you're crown me, jewel cannot be a gimmick. Crown jewels are this. Okay, it's a, it's a gimmick. Crown jewels are this: Daytona, Charlotte, yep, um, Darlington, Southern Five Hundred, mm-hmm. and Indy. Those are the those are the four crown jewels. Okay, right. That's that. Like you can argue it all day long, mm-hmm. but like Augusta's Augusta. Yes, right. Which is why I'm like I'm leaning a little bit more towards Martinsville because that grandfather clock. There's not a special event at Martinsville. It's just two races we go to. There's not one that's more important than the other. Now, if we went to Martinsville one time, mm-hmm. yeah, that would make it more important. I feel like when you go to Darlington twice, it takes away from the Southern 500. But it was that was always the the crown jewel event because it was that. Uh, Labor Day weekend event, you Memorial Day weekend for the 600 Labor Day. So like you book in yeah. your summer with those two things. And then I get where you're saying with the, the championship race, but I think that fall Martinsville race where it is now in the schedule, where it's helping determine who's going to that final. I four. think, I think it, a lot of what makes crown jewel crown jewel is the level of, um, preparation that goes into it whether that be from the sport standpoint or from a competitor yeah. standpoint right like the more weight you put into it the more you prepare the more you get ready right you're you're fluffing on your daytona 500 car for three months knowing that it's going to take one mistake and you pile that thing up into a ball of flame right so like regardless you're you put all the ducks in a row for those particular races besides just getting to the racetrack it was the same thing with indy when we used to run Indy oh, with yeah. cars that, you know, so you would work on your Indy if, body and bring your best stuff there and wait, you would wait. And then everybody would bring their best stuff to Indy. Yeah. So if NASCAR put their cars on the slow boat and we went and raced Monaco, which is a historic track or race at Lamar, would that become a crown jewel? And what would it replace? Because to me, like, People argue the Brickyard Crown Jewel, like, yes, it's a lot of history there. It wasn't my favorite place to go, but, like, to your argument, like, 
if the history is there and all of that is there, then then if we went to like a Monaco or a Le Mans, what would that track replace in terms of being a crown jewel? I don't want to get into yeah. too much hypotheticals because we yeah. have some current racing topics I'd love to talk about. And I, I would say that to me, this is my hot take, and then we can move on. I never thought watching racing that the Brickyard, it never felt like a crown jewel to me. I get Indy's racing history. I get what that place means. And like when I went there for the first time, it is an amazing place. Like you just feel that history there. And, you know, I mean, I mean, just the names that have won the Indy 500, that alone, like it's an amazing place. But NASCAR there never felt like it was embraced. Like we, not that it, not even by the track or anything like there. It just didn't, to me, quite fit. Hang on, hang on. The perfect example. The trucks at Knoxville, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody within a 100-mile radius of Knoxville, most of them aren't going to watch any race in Knoxville unless it has a wing on top of it. Yeah. Like, that's just like, no, there's probably the people within a 100-mile radius of Indianapolis Motor Speedway that if it doesn't have, if it's got fenders, they could care less about watching. That's just the culture that was built opposite of Daytona Beach. Right? But that being said, watching that Xfinity road course race at Indy last year was entertaining. And it would like that could be, and I know you're not a fan of manufactured uh, oval road courses or whatever, but that could be. We don't we don't know yet. We haven't seen what the Cup cars are going to do there, but that could end up being a great race. It could end up being it's like, oh no, this is where NASCAR fits in here, and it works. But we that's a proper road course. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> uh, I, Talking I about know. a proper road course, we were at one this weekend in Watkins Glen, New York. <laughs> Moving on. We could debate this until the cows come home. And I, not, I preferably got, I got not offline. I got one more question. Where where did it – so when they first started going to Indy, right, it was huh. it was um, packed, right? Where did it where did it fall? Was well, it was it 2011 when all tires came apart? What year was it? I don't know. Or was it, you know, I mean, you had a perfect storm. You had a perfect storm in the early 2000s with the recession and people, you know, like money wasn't there. So people couldn't travel and and go to the tracks like they used to. So attendance kind of fell off and it's on the way back up. And then we hit COVID. Was that 2007 or eight when all the tires came apart? I was there. You should have been there. People were just running around with tires. It was crazy. Yeah. But, But you also have to look at the fact that it was new. Then it was the new thing. We, yeah. You know, we switched up the the schedule like we're doing now. So, like, you go to a new place. Ooh, can we talk be... about that? Can we talk about that? Yeah. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Let's just go ahead. I'm over this talk. <laughs> On to the next. There's some chatter about this 2020, 2020, 2022 schedule, Chuck. I'm not going to ask if you're privy to these conversations, uh-huh. but I'm going to just – I've heard some rumors that the Daytona 500 may or may not be the first race of the year next year. I have not heard that yet. So, oh man, aren't they already selling but tickets for that thing? It doesn't mean it's the first race of the year. But again, we talked about this a while ago. The 500 has not always been the first race. You told me that, and you hit me with some knowledge I yeah. did not know. So, I mean, if that if that changes, that's that doesn't change the hey. crown jewelness of it. No, no question. Now, I know there's always been chatter over the last I don't know since I've even been in the sport of they they would love to start the season. In between the NFC and AFC playoffs, there's that off week before the Super Bowl. I think that would ideally kick off the season when some eyeballs are on the sport. And it also would push however many weeks forward of the season to, to, to finish the season earlier. So I know all avenues are getting looked at. And I also heard, um, and I, I guess I could say this, I rubbed shoulders with old Steve Phelps this week, and I said, hey, when's the schedule coming out? And just chopping up. He goes, eh, maybe beginning or right around next month. So there are going to be any like any eyebrow raising topics? And he's like, mm, maybe, maybe. I have not heard anything. He said that there will be something that makes your eyebrows go up, Chuck. I'm for it. I'm for I'm, it look. too. Now, if it's another Roval, I'm not for it. <laughs> if you put dirt on the Roval of Charlotte, definitely not for it. What are we doing? I Call mean, up the what was that damn uh, rally cross deal that was going for a little bit and then it went under? Yeah, global no, I, rally cross. Yeah, WRX. Yeah, no, not that one. The other one. Whatever. We're not those guys. I heard that the new track actually 
was going to be the field filler fairgrounds, but resurrected. it's no longer there. It's just the same old stuff. Turns out, turns out Randy LaJoy moved the stakes on where his property lines were, and it caught up with them 20 years later, and yeah. the field filler fairgrounds wasn't really on the property, so I had to get mowed over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually how it went. And oh, it, uh, long the story, story short. Yeah, the story was we couldn't afford to put safer barriers up, but the real story that's is it. the property line was 20 <laughs> feet over what it's supposed it's to be. It's why you never call in a new survey. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'm excited to see that. I do like how NASCAR is being a little flexible. You know, they're not sticking to their old guns. They're they're trying some different stuff, possibly some street courses. You never know. You know, well, I, I like I like to see. Now, I don't want to keep chasing whatever the next flash in the pan is. I do think we need to continue to build on some of the good things we got going. But you know, I mean, trying something new is definitely not going to hurt anything. I'm not opposed, to, and I I like the idea of not necessarily going back to certain places twice in a year. Oh, I want to talk about this too. Because one, you can hit more markets, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and two, you can build more demand for a sellout at that one. But then, yes. you, when I mean, when you talk with the tracks, you're then losing more revenue. revenue. So, yeah. like, it's it, there's a fine balance there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're gonna. Hey, look, they're bon not gonna Jovi. make a hundred percent of the revenue. They'd probably be you know fifty yeah. percent. Look, Bon Jovi ain't coming to Charlotte twice in one year. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't go see him once. Yeah, well, that's because you're not dirty. You out, <laughs> Bon Jovi live. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, but ten years ago. I think. Let's like, go, Chuck. What, what do you think if? Here? <laughs> what if you think if places that have like I think the only two tracks that need to have two races a year on different weekends are Daytona and Talladega, right? I think those are the those are the two tracks. We don't do double headers there. We go there when we go there now. Mm-hmm. Daytona 500, and then. It should be July 4th, but we, I'm not going to get into not touching that. Talladega, out of the playoffs, Talladega in the playoffs. Everything else that we run twice a year needs to be a doubleheader. That's what I think, preferably because I just came off of my first two weeks off I've ever had consecutively in 15 years, and I really liked it. So no, yeah. more of that, two weeks I'm off it. was phenomenal. I, I disagree with the doubleheader part. I don't want to keep going down this rabbit hole because we got to talk about the fact that Kyle Larson won. The fact that Kyle Larson in five car one has won five times this year. Um, and and the fact that Chase was getting there but just didn't have enough time. Just did not have enough time. Started last. We can talk about some pit road boats and woes, of which the nine was involved. Had to start tail, which from what I understand, it was a adjustable shark fin. Hey, where? They don't like those. Where was the race? Where was the final pass for the race made this week, guys? I, I believe. I'm assuming it's pit road. If since you're bringing oh, it up, man. I'm just I hey. It was. So just why don't asking. we get? Why don't we take a break? Talk about that after the break. Pit road boats and wheels, and see where the pass for the wind came. I like where your head's at. Thanks. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. All right, guys, we're back. A couple pit road boats and woes, of which one of them was mine. Um, The old right-handed pit road got me because... Our first pit stop of the day, I drove through too many boxes leaving pit road because I just forgot how wide my car was. So the rule is two boxes. You can't drive through more than two. And 
my right side tires hit the edge in the corner of the third box, which like it was kind of just like muscle memory of how you pull out the pits. But apparently what I, like, I wasn't, um, I guess my intent wasn't enough to like turn it out enough. Cause I'd, you know, you only go right hand pit stops a year. Did they remind you before the race? Like that's something they reminded Brad, right? Like bullets. they reminded me after that. They were like, he's like, Hey, they, they brought it up again. They sent out a note. Don't drive through too many pit boxes. And Brad said, Thank you for saying that. This is a really easy place to do it. Well, I did it. Good job. Maybe I need a memo. Now you know better. Or maybe I should have Chuck read me like my memos of pre-race things to do like he does with the driver's meeting. It's soothing. So it sounds like the five car won the race on pit road, but not necessarily because of the pit crew. How many times have we seen Kyle Larson? How many times have we seen Kyle Larson? Close the gap, getting the pit road. You saw Multiple him do it the times chase at the Coke Six Hundred. Coke Six Hundred. Yeah, we see him. We see him now. I will say the person that's trailing has an advantage coming to pit road under green because you know the guy in front of you is going to probably take it. Call it eighty-five percent because if you don't have a rabbit, if you don't have a gauge marker to know when you're going to break, you just have to kind of get guess it. In any situation. The guy in second has a a bar to measure himself with and then get it. So it's, it seemed like Larson going through 11 or 8, 11, I think they call it. Um, yeah. There's debate about this. There's debate about this, nor do I care to get into it. It's just the very hand corner no, before pit road. Pick, which one do you want to use? We'll use call it 11. <laughs> yeah, we'll call it 11. Um, and he closed the gap and got to the 19th bumper, which it's just overall speed. Right, or it's overall time, and that's what you're trying to minimize when you're on pit road is from yellow line to yellow line, and the team pit crew actually must have done a good enough job. Whether that was Kyle Larson's rolling time into the box and out of the box, um, or, or the combination of it's a combination. Yeah, you got to do both. Got to have both. So that and and at a Watkins Glen, a place where you saw Larson was visibly better than like Logano in the first stage and couldn't get by him. Right. Mm-hmm. He was better than the 20. He was better than 19. He got a run on the 20 to 19. The 20 blocked him all the way to the inside fence. And then he finally gets under him. And it's like getting in the one is the number one passing zone. It's like, you can pinch them. You can pinch a guy off there. And if he, if he lifts, then you, yeah, you got him. that's why I finally just clean the 20 out. Yeah. Um, well, the five was on the apron. Five was down there. Yeah. 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 But, but if he, the 20 put him in a position where he needed a lift or he was going to wreck him. Yeah. Kyle, it was time to go. So it's time hey, to go. Sorry, sorry about your luck, but easy, the easiest place to pass, pit road, at, yeah, that, at that place. So, yeah, and it's easiest place to lose spots, too. Dry, yep. And for the third week, I feel like almost in a damn row, you're coming back down. Coming I don't know what it is. Flag. I feel like I think it's like three out of seven I'm not trying eight. to bash your guys. I'm no, I don't, I don't bash them either, but it is, it is a little bit frustrating when, you know, you work hard to pass some spots. At the, right at the end, we were a 22nd to 24th place car. Um, we went long on our strategy at the last stage to split it more so in half to hopefully have some better tires at the end. Um, and we caught Bubba, passed Bubba, caught, caught the six, passed him. And I was uh, kind of chasing the 34 a little bit. I think he was conserving fuel. I believe I probably could have got there. Uh, but we had to come down and put a lug nut on the right front to not get a fine because apparently – uh, the difference in two or three spots on the back end purse doesn't make up the $10,000 fine from what I understand. I don't see the numbers, but I hate giving up just points for ego, but points for lug nut penalties. Yeah. Now, you've had 19 loose lug nut penalties this year. I don't know if that's an accurate number. Roger obviously does two. not mind peeling off a $10,000 check. Where For us, we're stacking I pennies. don't know that it's like, like, uh, yeah, whatever, just do it. I don't know that it's like that. Like, yeah, no big deal. Here's another 10. But, like, I definitely try to get them all on the best I, the best I can. But um, now, like, the, the one thing, the biggest takeaway is this was always – backward stops was always just a one-time-a-year thing, just kind of a commodity thing. You, you put some stock into it, but you never really, you know, put a ton into it. But now we go three places – and and you see guys doing a lot better with it. No gas cans getting down pit, drug down pit road. Not a lot of penalties. Mm-hmm. Very competitive stops. Um, we but we did the Xfinity race and the what's Cup an, race. What's an average stop time of left-handed normal stops to a right-hand stop now? I'd say so. Like an average, um, I would I would 
go to say an average just normal day is like a 12-3 for a normal for mm-hmm. just a clean middle of the road top 10 stop for a normal left side left wall. side to the wall stop mm-hmm. right side to the wall stop i would say a 13-7 oh so about a second more about than a, a second. second and a half yeah right um but like this is weekend it the, is it the choreography of it Yes, a little bit of that, and it's just it's backwards, back backwards, backwards. Um, there's a lot of different things that happen. Uh, adjustments are definitely a lot harder. Had to put tape on this weekend in the Xfinity race, cost us about a second. Adjustments are a lot harder to do. The left side wedge adjustment is damn near impossible. Did you hand Brad Kozlowski a dizzy bat during it, a pit stop? Man, why you gotta say that? Because it's a funny joke. Uh, I did not. Um, thought, thought we had a really good shot with Austin, um, but ended up, uh, not being able to Ty- Tyrone Gibbs got us there. Gosh, that kid's good. He's man. on the wheel. He, he's, and that kid has earned every, every win. For sure. Had, so we got to make our cars. I, I'll tell you what, I really have always wanted to win an Indy and, um, have had a, a lot of opportunities, finished second a bunch and, uh, feel like we have a good chance to go win with Austin this weekend. Well, um, you know, it's not really a, a, a win, but you know, you can you get a trophy for it, I guess. Oh, you, oh, you're just gonna turn down. <laughs> I'm gonna just turn down Xfinity win. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd take it if they gave it to me, but you know, it's not I'd, the same. I'd graciously go and accept my award, but yeah. I wouldn't really be proud of it. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're proud of that thing. <laughs> I did. They, there is a debate right now with Austin on if uh, if you win this race, if you kiss the bricks or not. He says you do not kiss the bricks for Grand Prix win. I rest my case. I don't know. I rest my case. I, I can tell you this. The guy who owns his car owns the track, and if he wants him to kiss the bricks, he's going to be putting on By some God, he'll stick. be out there. He's yeah. going to be looping them things up. But it's sketchy, man. The sketchiest pit road we go to this weekend. This this place for is – For sure. It's built for It's built for cars in 19, 1901 or whatever, 1905. Uh, cars that small. And uh, when you bring – Full body stock cars. There is the is the pit road speed the same as it is. It's fifty five miles. Uh, fi- no, I wouldn't imagine it's, it's the same. It's. I hope it's. It was fifty five for the big one. Yes. For the four hundred. Yes. Yeah. It's probably going to go down. I would imagine fifty five plus five miles an hour. So you were hauling ass on Indy pit road. So go stand on a narrow road and watch a car go by you at sixty miles an hour, and then jump out in front of it. Yes, jump out in front of it. This is where <laughs> as we it lost. slows down. Don't. This is where we lost Zach Price like. like for the year last year, he yeah. got his. You were involved in that wreck at the beginning oh, yeah. of pit road, uh, where he got he got hit and broke his leg. It is a place where it is uh, the the boxes are um, probably four foot narrower than anything we have but all year. Four foot longer, maybe um, like fourteen foot longer yeah, than anything yeah. we have. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of room for error going long, going short. Uh, it's, and then you add in going backwards, right? Which is way harder for you guys. It's definitely more challenging for us to read the cars. Um, so did it last year with the Xfinity cars. It was challenging. Uh, cup pit road will be, there's even more cars on cup pit road during a cycle now. Um, so we will see where pit road speed is 40 miles an hour they for the Indy road course. Turn okay. it down. And caution vehicle speed is 45. Thank you, Chuck. That will be so, in the uh, driver's meeting video. It's can't not wait, said. Can't wait to listen. It's a visual. To, to clarify, 40 miles an hour right. pit road Plus speed five. means you get a 5 mile an hour allowance. So every team is going to use that 5 mile an hour allowance. Oh, yeah. So your pit road speed is 44, 44.99. 44.99. Yes. Now you With can... line repeating. Yes. No, I believe you can be 50.00. Now, if it's 50.01, ping, coming down, tailing it along this line. Pit road woe. So, high chance probability we see every we every year at Indy, regardless if we're going left-hand stops or right-hand stops, the possibility for some incidents. So, be on the lookout for that. Hopefully, everybody yeah. stays safe there on pit road and there's no woes in terms of personal. Maybe there'll be a little bit of rain. Ooh, who knows? Get them sprinkle tires out. Sprinkle. sprinkle. I thought we were going to get them this weekend. It split us. We had three, three, three sets. Set, of we were standing there, you and I stand there talking. Hmm? Sparks come up, said, "Hey, man, it's going to rain right before the race. You ready?" I was ready, but but did not. Um, that all we got. That's it. 
That's it. See how we do this weekend. I have nothing else to talk about about Watkins Glen. Me neither. <laughs> Tapped. Smoked. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. All right, guys, we have a very special guest here on Stacking Pennies, the big road course ringer, but also a dirt ringer himself. He's won on mile and a half. He's won on short tracks. Now he's got every sort of discipline covered. Mr. Austin Hill, thanks for jumping on. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, excited to be here. Oh, yeah. So, man, you guys are – now, we talk about a little bit on the show about peaking at the right time. Now, some people put some stock into this. Some people don't. But you can look at that 16 truck with you and Zippy right now, and you guys are peaking at the right time leading to the playoffs. So, how do you guys feel? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we've been, we've been looking good uh, all season long. Um, you know, it's just it's been one of those things that we've been so close to winning and, and finally got it done, um, you know, at Knoxville, a place that I didn't think we were I was going to win at. I'm no dirt guy by any means, so I don't claim to be. So it was it was actually kind of crazy to, to win at a place like that. But um, but yeah, I mean, we've we've been good all season. We've just had to clean up a few things here and there. Um, you know, me and Scott, my crew chief, we've, we've really just dug deep, just trying to figure out what we need to do to be a little bit better. And, um, you know, we're starting to do that. We're starting to see that now. Um, you know, once we get in the playoffs, these last two, two seasons in the playoffs has, has bit us pretty hard uh, when we get to into the round before that, that final four. So hopefully we can not have that same stuff happen that, that's happened the last two seasons and we can finally get to that final four um, for Phoenix and see, see what happens, at least give us a chance. I've always thought, you know, just from watching the broadcasts and, and, you know, knowing a little bit of the people, obviously yourself and I go back, which we'll talk about here in a couple minutes, but I feel like you and the 16 team don't get some of the credit you guys deserve a lot of the times because the focus is usually on Kyle Busch when he's running or a Kyle Busch truck with John Hunter Nemechek uh, being fairly dominant this year. Do you guys feel like you're the underdog team going into the playoffs? I mean, I, I'm totally fine with being the underdog. I've, I've always felt like uh... – Really, my my whole career, I've I've been overlooked a lot. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I'm fine with being the underdog. Um, you know, I, I think that some guys do overlook us a lot of the time, and you know, it, it comes back and, and bites them sometimes. So, um, I know that KBM's been really good this season. John Hunter's been really good, but I honestly feel like we're just as good as they are. Um, you know, if not better, we we have a really good organization, really good team um, behind me. And we don't have a whole lot of guys, but, you know, with the little bit we do have, we, we go out there and we, we do everything we, we can to, to run up front and win races and just show that we belong each and every week. So um, the consistency has been there, you know, there, at the start of the season, we've had some kind of bump, bumps in the road, but, um, you know, the consistency has been there. Uh, we just kind of needed to get that first win under our belt and kind of build that confidence uh, going into the playoffs now that, we, we feel like we, we can't be beat. We feel like we're, we're the guy to beat now. Um, Gateway was good for us last, last year, so we're trying to go three in a row. Well, that, that would be sweet, man. Good luck on that. So I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you this because your trajectory, your NASCAR career, hasn't been 
um, you know, a, a steady trajectory upwards as, you know, you see a lot of the kids nowadays, it's kind of like you map out the dots. Um, and, and there's not many guys mid-20s, upper 20s that aren't looking for to try to progress every year, right? It's like you're a guy that's stuck and, and been fairly loyal to Shiggy and, and that 16 truck, but also on the other side, gain experience and you continue to grow and, and learn in the truck series field. Has there been some Xfinity series rides that you might've had on the table to look at that you turned down? Uh, and what was the thought process as to why you chose that? Uh, yeah. I mean, ever since I've been uh, with, with HRE and even before with uh, HRE back when I was with Young's Motorsports, um, there was times that I could have went Xfinity racing, uh, but I didn't really want to move up the rank unless I was in equipment that I could feel like I could go out there and win with. And, um, you know, it's been one of those things that I've, I'm kind of happy where I'm at. I always said that when I was younger, I wanted to go to cup. I wanted to be a cup guy. And now that I've gotten older, I'm happy to be in NASCAR, you know, whether it's in the trucks, Xfinity or cup, I'm just happy to be where I'm at and I want to make a long career out of this. I don't want it to be a guy that, you know, maybe jumps up to cup series really quick and he runs there for a few years. And the next thing you know, you don't ever hear about him again because he might've jumped up too quick or, or whatever the case may be. He runs out of sponsor, whatever it is. So, um, so, I mean, I've been happy where I'm at. Uh, I had a really good opportunity uh, last year to go somewhere else and, and run for a big team. Uh, it was actually a colleague. Uh, I was, you know, we were in talks with them. We were, we were going to do the deal. And um, I, I don't know what it was. I, I really had some long talks with the wife and, and with my parents and just really thought about what I was going to do one way or the other. And, um, you know, Toyota has been so good to me over the years that I talked to Toyota and we've kind of, you know, talked some things through and just, I was just trying to make the right right calls um you know i don't know if it was the right decision um right now it feels like it was um it feels like you know i made the right decision staying with toyota staying with with hre and doing all those things but uh i guess we'll have to see time will tell down the road if, if my decision that i made was the right one well i don't i don't think you can make the decisions look back to better if you're you're right or wrong you just got to figure out what the next one's going to be and make sure that one's right but uh, I wanted to dig in a little bit. Not, not many people know uh, about the history between you and I. Right when I was transitioning out of the K&N Pro Series and then and at, right kind of the ARCA Series and then on in, you know, Xfinity deal and stuff like that, uh, you, you were a couple years younger than me, but you were wanting to come in and, and start essentially racing. So you almost, uh, you and your dad came in and, and pretty much kept my team assembled and kept going you kept uh you know our, our good buddy now Stephen Dawson works over at Tyler Young's but kind of kept him on as an employee and almost kind of kept LaJoy racing molded it into, into hill racing and and kept it going so you know I certainly don't have a, a a stake in your career by no means but it is pretty cool to see you know going to the racetrack with you and seeing you develop you were a great great road course racer you know, back in back in the K&N days. So uh, it's no surprise to me to see you, to, to watch you dominate Watkins Clan. But, you know, what, what are, I guess, what, when we were, you know, 20, 21 years old, just trying to figure out the racing thing, what are some things that, uh, you know, you, you look back on and either happy about or not so happy about? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, man, it, it feels like it was forever ago, honestly, uh, that, that we were doing that deal. And, um, you know, I, I remember, me and my dad had a lot of conversation. Um, we went and talked to a lot of different teams. Um, you know, a lot of the, the bigger, the big teams in, in K&N at the time, we talked to a lot of those guys just trying to figure out what we were going to do. And then your deal came up and, um, you know, we just thought it was the right thing to do. Ever, ever since I was little, we, we always have done stuff on our own and we've kind of went and, and, you know, here and there tried to get some help, uh, you know, as we could. So, I thought it was cool being able to kind of keep that kind of family type deal race team going. Um, you know, and that's kind of how, you know, you guys had done it for so long as well. So um, I just thought it was kind of the right fit for us. When I first got over there, I struggled, you know, I struggled those first, however many races uh, I think we ran like four or five races that first year. Um, somehow, somehow we were able to go to Dover and have just a, a dominant car that day and was able to win that race. And then it just, it was kind of a domino effect. We ended up, you know, getting all your equipment and doing all that. And, 
Um, like you said, Steve-O, um, he was with us for a very long time. He even went with us, you know, when we were getting into the truck truck deal and, and we ran 10 or so truck races or whatever it was. So it, it was really cool to see how that kind of all transpired. You know, when I ran trucks and even k and it was it was me and, and Steve-O and Big Cheese and all those guys. And um, it, it was just cool to kind of see that go through. So, uh, yeah, a lot of people don't know that history between me and you, but uh, I was glad that we did that. It kind of molded me into where I'm at today, honestly. I don't I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, my friend. <laughs> don't, don't tell that to too many people except the listeners here on Stacking Pennies. But I wanted to go back to Truck Series and the answer you gave me about wanting to move up or to – talking to your, talking to your wife out of it. And I respect the, the people because it's not very many guys who want to do what they do. Well, you've always said you want to be a winner in every division you go to, and you just want to move up for the sake of moving up. Uh, and, and you've grown into a consistent winner in the truck series, but what is that threshold for you personally? That's going to allow you to say, okay, I'm ready to take that next step to an Xfinity series or even, you know, even maybe a, you know, mid, mid tier to, to back of the pack cup car possibly. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of things just have to kind of fall together and, and, you know, maybe it comes to the point where I'm at a point in my career where, you know, I'm wanting to move up and, and, and just try it and see if it works out or if it doesn't work out. Um, you know, like I said, um, you know, me and, me and Toyota, uh, Jack Irvin, we've, we've gotten really close and, um, you know, I've, I've always, we've always been kind of been, um, me, my dad, my whole family have always been the type of people that we want to stay committed to, to one team. Um, we don't like the, the jumping around a lot. We don't like the going to one team one year and then going to another team next year. We've kind of here at HRE, we've kind of just built this family atmosphere. Heck, when I left Young's Motorsports, it was hard for me to leave Young's Motorsports and go do the HRE deal. And I knew that I was going to be getting in really good equipment and that I was going to have a shot at winning and all that. But it was hard for me to leave Young's just because I hadn't grew that that family atmosphere there. And so so going to here, it was kind of, man, when I first got over here, I kind of was like, you know, didn't know nobody and just had to learn everybody's name and figure everybody out. And um, now that I've, I've kind of grown into this this family atmosphere, it, it, it really would make it tough to leave. But um but yeah, I mean, I, I've always been the type of guy that I'd rather be in a lesser division or whatever you want to call it. I'm not going to call it a lesser division, really, but I'd rather be in a series that I can know I can go win races, run up front each and every week, than go to, say, Xfinity or whatever and, and run uh, mid-pack or whatever it is. Um, but you never know. I mean, one day, you know, my mind might change and one day two or three years down the road, it might come to the point where I want to, um, you know, try to run some more Xfinity stuff. I know Shiggy, he's, he's obviously all the time wanting to do the Xfinity stuff. That's why we do it a little bit. Um, you know, we're running like six or seven races this year in the Xfinity series. So we're kind of putting our feet in there and, and just kind of seeing where we stack up with the rest of the competition. And who knows down the road, we might build this, this organization into an Xfinity team. And next thing you know, I might run full, full time with them. I don't know what the future holds, but uh, I'm really happy where I'm at. And, and you know, I, I couldn't really be happier. Well, we do know what the future holds here shortly. You're, you and your wife are expecting your third child. You're going to have almost a soccer team running around there in the Hill household. So congrats on that. <laughs> and uh, you're sitting in your truck. You're probably waiting to go home to that beautiful family. But first, before I let you go, we're, we're going to play a little game of Would You Rather. Are you ready? All right, let's do it. You kind of just answered the first one I had for you, but I'm going to ask you with it anyways. Would you rather race for your championship contending truck series team you're racing with now or a 10th place Xfinity series program or a 25th place cup organization? Yeah, I mean, I I, kind of answered it earlier. I kind of got to go with a championship organization. I mean, it. you, you look at, winning championships is hard to do so it you kind of can't pass that down trying to trying to get these championships that's a fair point i could argue 25th is just as hard running the cup series but we'll talk about that on a later date number (laughs) two would you rather eat nothing but martinsville hot dogs for a month or drink racetrack lemonade Mm. i could do the martinsville hot dogs i could do that 
You ever had a South Boston fried bologna sandwich? Uh-uh, I have not. Oh, man. Oh, I'd eat those every day voluntarily. But that <laughs> um, – okay, so we'll go with that. I don't – man, I don't know. We've had some good answers to that question because we, we actually uh, had some answers that, like, we had to figure out which food you would be able to eat and just sustain life longer. Uh, and I'm not sure Martinsville hot dogs more than – three days would be beneficial to that last question yeah. if you had to choose one type of race car and one racetrack to race that for the rest of your life what is austin hill driving uh race car and racetrack um i think racetrack would be dover i love that place that place is so badass yeah. um race car man i could race any race car around that place uh you know i, I think that that running running dover and uh I think running Dover in an Xfinity car would be cool, honestly. I haven't ran there in an Xfinity car, but the Xfinity cars, they're just so on edge. They're just so, like, you just get after it in those Xfinity cars. I don't know how the cup is. I haven't ran it. But you just get after it in those Xfinity cars. I think it would be a cool place to run. Yeah, they move around a lot because they still have some ride heights to, uh, you know, to adhere to. So, yeah, you get a lot of heave, a lot of moving yeah. around of those things. They are definitely fun at Dover. So, there you have it. Austin Hill chooses an Xfinity Series car at Dover, and he is one of the – main championship contenders in the truck series so austin get after it here during the playoffs i wish you luck thanks for jumping on stacking pennies yeah thanks for having me man appreciate it yes sir and there you have it there was austin hill thank you for being a guest on stacking pennies now we got ice cold blue mountain tech jonathan merriman with some jackpot races you have a chance to win twenty five thousand dollars if you choose the right guys this weekend merriman what you got 25 grand. All right. This week, Group 1, Denny Hamlet, Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Larson. Uh, pretty good group of guys here with Larson, Truex, and Hamlin all in there. Or actually, Elliott, not Hamlin, sorry. Uh, but, yeah, regular season points battle shaping up as well. So it'll be fun to watch Hamlin and Larson go at it. So who are we picking in that first group? Man, I don't think any of them guys have laps on that configuration. So it's a little bit of a crapshoot. Um, you know, it's hard to bet against the five at the moment, no matter where we're going, but Chase Elliott's still the fastest guy, hands down, no matter what road course we go to. So I would be hammering the nine this weekend. Nine car. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you. Nine or five. It's hard to cool bet. The Toyotas were faster this week, but the nine or the five. Yep. C, nine. C. Yep. Yeah. Next group. All right. Group two, William Byron, Joey Logano, Alex Bowman, Ryan Blaney, or Kurt Busch sneaking into group two. Joey's tough, man. He's a good road course racer. He got taken out this weekend a little bit prematurely. So, um, you know, he, he's, always, he's also, whether it be new venues or in the rain or on dirt, we saw him win the Bristol Dirt Race. He adapts fairly quick. So I'll look at the old 22 car for adapting the new configuration here at Brickyard. I'm not going to agree with you on everything. So I would go with Blaney or Bush on this one. Blaney had won the inaugural Roble. Okay. Um, so, uh, Kurt Busch, very good at Sonoma. This is tight kind of track like that, but I'm going to be a homer and go with YRB. Well, because you're going YRB, I'm going to go Kurt Busch. Yo, Kurt, uh, you've been hammering the Kurt train forever. I have that one car, man. I think William Byron's the best pick. All right, cool. So glad we were able to nail that down for the fans. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got the nine, and then everybody we'll else. With, we'll finish up with group three. Also, RJ Kraft, the guy who sets this stuff, has a bone to pick with you guys. Beating him up last week about Brad Keselowski at Watkins Glen. Brad leads the guys in group three, followed by Kevin Harvick, Tyler Reddick, Christopher Bell, Ross Chastain. I'm going to avoid the two. Not because of my normal reason for the tire changer, because uh, I think this week he might need to worry about his brake bias knob in the race car. Who are you taking in this group? Well, I think Bradley's going to be a little bit dizzy by about Thursday, but at least he gets some practice to uh, let his equilibrium settle out. But uh, uh, who would Oh, yeah, I guess that guy that set the odds last week was like Nostradamus. Who would have thought it? Um, but um, I, don't, I don't know. I, his name wasn't on that list. Uh, and I don't know what group he's in, so I'll just say this. Chase Briscoe is my underdog pick this weekend for everything. Um, I would be setting a Chris Pundy down on the old 14 if I was somebody wanting to make a little bit of money this weekend. I think Chase Briscoe is going to be a heavily favored underdog. He's in group four. 
choose yep. Briscoe. Winner of yep. the Xfinity race. Briscoe's in group four. That's a solid pick. I choose the two car always. But if I wasn't going to choose the two car, I would choose the 20 car because he won on a inner road course once this this year. Mm-hmm. He was fast um, this past weekend. And fast Gibbs, at Road America. Yep. Gibbs cars are good if we're picking underdogs going with another homer. Austin Sindrick in a 33, making a rare cup appearance. I'm torn in this group three between Reddick and Bell, but I'm leaning towards Bell just based off of the past couple of weeks. He's, I mean, he's a top five, top three runner. Yeah. Consistently in the road course. So hammer the 20. Oh, by the way, uh, shout out to RJ. So you made one of the groups this week. Plus 75,000. No, you're in group five. Okay. Group five. So you're in a, Best group, best finish group. You know that one. Okay. It's it's Bubba, Daniel Suarez, Corey LaJoy, Stenhouse, and Custer. Okay. Um, so we'll all be. I mean, we will be racing tooth and nail for twenty seconds. So that is, was the group last week. Is RJ picking the actual odds to win as well, Merriman, or is that uh, set I don't, by? I don't know how this works. I just, that line I just open the app and pick yeah. stuff, man. <laughs> no idea. Because you're I still asking. Your odds to win are still the same. Uh, A billion to one. Was, I think it was. 40,000 to one. All right. Yeah, yeah. I'm good with that. Plus 40,000. Okay. So, you know, some big opportunity to make some bucks. I know. Just throw, throw down 10 lucky. bucks, man. And you, I mean, that's four grand, right? Oh. Yeah. Um, I'm not a, a condoning gambling. Neither, neither do I. Yeah. But <clears throat> do it. I hope. Not this, not, not this <laughs> weekend. Not condoning it. Not this it. weekend. Do now, it. for Daytona, when the old belts are pulled tight, trying to Hail Mary that thing in the playoffs. I bet your odds change. You think? I think so. Probably. I mean, if anybody is smart using the odds, yeah. Well, they're going by, you know, off of finishes at a racetrack. Like, that's one where you've had some pretty good finishes. Yeah. So. True. I would think they might be adjusting that for Daytona. Let's hope. Give me a little bit of love at least. Jeez. Um, Well, there you have it. Go download Jackpot Races on any app store, and you get a chance to win $25,000. You can also see Jonathan Merriman with long hair telling you how to play. Man, like down if, to his shoulders. Yeah, if you really wanted to waste three minutes of your time, definitely watch that video. Oh, man, it's a good breakdown of how to play the jackpot races. <laughs> <laughs> good thing, uh, good thing, good thing. Jonathan knows that we like him, though. <laughs> he would, he would be like really sad if he knew that we weren't friends. Yeah. Um, speaking hey, of I friends, am, Chuck. Speaking I'm the of world's friend. biggest ball buster, so I have to have thick skin. That's oh. good. Speaking of friends, I'm about to find out, Chuck, how good of friends we are at this moment. Okay. Are you ready? Maybe. My dad and I, Ryan was in, I, th- I think he bowed out of this, but my dad's turning 60, I'm turning 30. We're going to have a big party over mom and dad's. We're getting a 100-foot blow-up obstacle course, possibly a mechanical bull. What we don't have is live music. I need dog ear to play at my birthday party. <laughs> Only one of two options. You either have live music or a live battle reenactment, so you have to bring life for (laughs) us. Now, now. with real muskets. What if we do both? (laughs) Oh, my God. Corey and Randy are going to be up there dueling with flintlocks. And and baronets is that what they call bayonets? It? Bayonets, yeah. Bayonets. I mean, baronets. We got baronets. We're capturing bears. Now, come to think of it, Dad's land—it's about seven acres, rectangle, straight back, perfect spot for a front line, front for line for an engagement. For an engagement. Yeah. You sure he didn't move the survey lines on that too? No, well, there's it's a, possible. Uh, very possible. <laughs> but we're not going to get into that. Um, it is, it is it is possible to book dog ear. Uh, we have some open dates. Um, okay, we're not going to discuss dates on the show because I don't want ten thousand people show up. To right, that right, time. right. I mean, I, you know, for me, I would, I'd love to see that. You know, to play in front of ten thousand people, man, that'd be awesome. It but would be. One I don't want to blow up your spot. You know. So will you do it? Yeah. If, yes. If I am, yes. If I am, will, in we play, town, will you play the concert? What can, that. No, I was asking about a Civil War reenactment. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It'll just be me. I'll be like charging myself. <laughs> Loading a cannon. Yeah. Um, no, I was actually, no, I was asking about the concert. Will yeah. you play? Now, what would this look like? Like how, like, what do we need? Well, I mean. Shit. Can we say that on, on here? What? Yeah, you can say shit. You can say shit. It's a, it, you're the one that posts it, Merriman. So can you say it? Um, anyway. Uh, Probably not. I mean, you'd need power. Some power. 
obviously power. Yep. Um, some kind of stage. Okay. Like platform. Right. Even if it's just like wood pallets. Yeah. Yeah. With a, with some you know two by four or not two by, uh, plywood. We can make we can make yeah. stage. Yeah, I'll stage. bring my flat. Got flatbed trailer. We can bring. We'll set it up. Hey, Even you better. Got a flatbed trailer. We can set up on that. How oh, many yeah. piece band is dog year four? Unless what we, is what uh, you on the, you slapping the bass? Yeah, I'm slapping the guitar okay. and singing. And you got Doug on the bass, slapping the bass. Yeah. Then we got uh, Will on lead guitar, and then Travis on drums. So, so do you think these guys would be in for a birthday birthday band? Yeah, as long as the date lines up and uh, like, how far out are we talking? Uh, Can you give a month? September. Okay. My birthday is September 25th. Okay. It's, so in that yeah, in that range, yes. I think we can we can make some stuff work mid mid September. And I, I'm guessing it's not going to be on a week. It'll be in the middle of the week. Perfect. Yes. Yeah, we practice on Wednesday nights. So, I mean, if you did a Wednesday night. We might ooh. have to make it a practice day in the backyard <laughs> on a flatbed trailer. <laughs> I'm all for it. Yes. What would be the song list? Well, we have a list of songs that we uh, have kind of like our, our covers that we do. Then we have some originals. Okay. We do that. How long is but, the set going to be? Uh, how long do you want it to be? 45 minutes. That's fine. We can do a 45-minute all original, or we can do 45-minute with uh, covers. Do you know Happy Birthday, Charles? <laughs> <laughs> with an with an amazing electric guitar yeah. riff in the middle of it? Oh, man. Like, I mean, we could do majority covers and throw a couple of uh, originals in there that you guys wouldn't know, and then you just kind of, Ooh, hey, look at that, it's fun, yay. Yes. And then we'll Happy Birthday. And if there's specific songs that you'd want. Do you have friends in low places? I can get that. We can do that. Okay. Um, all right. I'm really liking the sound of this. Yeah, I mean, I can do... Really wa- like it. We can do all the cheesy, uh, bad country songs. Like, we can do Wagon Wheel. No, no. You can, you... No, there's some other cheesy songs we oh, can yeah. do. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we can discuss this further. Yeah. But I'm glad you're open to the idea. Are you going to do, like a, like, a... You can do your first Stack and Pennies giveaway and give a birthday party experience away <laughs> to one fine listener. B-Y-O-B. But they have to come and be uh, Chuck's... Groupie and set the stage yeah. up. You're going to be or the roadie. Yeah. Like, Can you roadie, tune this yeah, guitar roadie. for me? All right, yeah, cool. he's the guy that hands you the other guitar yeah. when you're changing them up. That's Man. my goal in life. I want to get to that point where I can have somebody tuning my guitar off stage to hand me another one. One day, Chuck. One day. Maybe somebody's at this party that just picks you up oh. and sends dog ear into outer space. I mean, my, my true goal, one song that I can like make some sort of rigid residuals off of. I don't even have to record it. Just write it and somebody else can sing it. That's true. Yeah. We'll work on that. And now we're really we, off in the old rabbit hole. But, you know, I feel like the fans really needed to hear that. And now they know. know we're buddies. We're really buddies. So we're going to get a concert and a Civil War reenactment <laughs> at my birthday party. <laughs> I cannot wait. Yeah. Definitely have to play uh, The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down by the Band if you're doing a yep. reenactment. Sure. Yeah. Camp, campfire, the yeah. whole deal. Yeah. Uh, what else we got? That's it. I mean, any any cold takes of the week here, Merriman? What's your coldest take for this week coming up? I don't know, man. I got nothing. I like, I'll, hey, ro- road courses and rovals are equal. That's my cold take today. Ooh, yeah, that's an icy, that's an icy one. Ooh, the other thing is, is this the first time in NASCAR's illustrious history that we have had a full-on Cup Companion Weekend with the IndyCar Series? No, but I love it. It's not the first time? I don't know. I just no. said that. I don't think it is. I always thought that it was taboo. Now, the Indy cars have raced with, with the trucks right. in Texas, but I don't believe the cup cars have been at the same venue as the Indy cars. Last yeah. year, the Indy cars raced before the Xfinity cars. But that's Xfinity, but cup. Oh, uh, so they're the same day? I'm no, like, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, it's, it's Saturday, Indy car. It is a companion weekend. Yeah. But last year, the Indy cars raced before the Xfinity cars did. I don't think the cup in was Indy. there. They raced, so IndyCar and Xfinity raced on Saturday. Uh, the only way I remember this is because they had to move yes. all their stuff off pit road, and the National Anthem was playing, and they were coming to the green, and we didn't have our pit box set up. And I'm like, I hope that he does not get a flat oh. because he's going to be changing himself. But that was on the road course and not the oval. I haven't run the same We raced the road course on Saturday. Cup cars raced yeah. the oval on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is the first time that... They have raced the same. Fact checkers, sure. check us out and tweet at us, Stag and Pennies. Yeah. Also, while you're at that, while you're fact checking us, go ahead and subscribe. Leave us a review, five stars. We'd really appreciate it. Rate and review. Rate and review. You know, all the stuff. Leave yeah. us some nice comments. Talk about how great Chuck is. And then, uh, you know, gives them a feeling all warm and fuzzy. Leave some bad comments. Because yeah. I like bad comments. I do like reading bad yeah. comments occasionally. Did you see 
my tweet to that guy. Oh, <laughs> you ripped that guy's hairline apart. There's only so many, and we'll close the show at this, because I don't clap back very often. I probably clap back more often than some others. But this guy, so the thread was this. Cole Custer is sitting there at this conference table watching an in-car camera for Kevin Harvick, and he's just, like, giving his synopsis of what he sees. And I say, you know, funny joke, man, I'm dialed in. Cole, thanks for this, you know, six-second video of how to get into turn one. And then some guy says, I, I want to give this guy the justice he deserves. Justin, at Pure Moccasin, responds, chances LaJoy finishes on Sunday equals three laugh-crying emoji faces. And I spent a lot of time thinking about the response to this tweet, Chuck, because there's not many that I feel like the door is open for me to come really kick in, nor, you know, kick somebody when they're down. Because a lot of people, when they're mean on social media, that means they have their own things to talk about. Right. They don't have much self-confidence. Well, I didn't care about what Justin had to say because when you looked at his profile picture, he has the old cul-de-sac and he is barren on top, shiny, could polish that thing up with mother's wax. So my re- my response tweet was this. I bet I stay in it longer than your hairline did. Well, given it's, it's 20- a picture of his head. Yes. Like, it's not his face. <laughs> it's just of his hairline. Yeah. Just so we're clear, we're not trying to just pick, pick on this the guy. guy apart. It is a zoomed-in picture of his hairline. <laughs> that's, that's true. Like, <laughs> I feel like it's almost low-hanging fruit, but people people loved it. Got 93 retreats and over 2,000 likes. That's a, uh, you know, I love a good old sarcastic sarcastic heater leading into the weekend. Give me some nice confidence. Yeah. You know what else gives me confidence? When fans at the racetrack scream out stacking pennies. Because that means they listen to what we do, and we appreciate you listening, and we appreciate, I don't know, you just supporting NASCAR, supporting me, supporting Ryan Flores, Chuck Bush, Janie, Ice Cold Blue Mountain Takes, everybody. See y'all next week. Stack the pennies.